0: Hello, honey and welcome to episode six. Today we caught it all with Michelle Wilson. She grew up identifying as an urban Maori, and although she didn't learn Te Reo me ona tikanga as a child, she always felt an incredible connection to her tupuna and to Tia Maori. After working unhappily as a corporate lawyer and then struggling with postnatal depression after the birth of her second child, she was led into the Ngahere to begin her healing and her journey to reconnect with her culture. Now the owner of Frankie apothecary, a rungoa-based skincare company, is helping other women and their families heal through natural remedies. Michelle is also the CEO and creator of I Am Eva, New Zealand's first period-proof underwear brand. In this episode, we talk about growing up outside of your culture, reclaiming our indigenous practices and systems. We have a great conversation about ikura, menstruation, going right back to Hinenui Te, te ao, and the first ever period, about the way our tupuna would celebrate Ikura and how colonisation has changed those practices. We also discussed Michelle's determination to end period poverty in Aotearoa forever. Fakarongo mai. Kia ora, am Kiani. You know, we live in a media-saturated world, but we're not exactly drowning in our stories. We all know indigenous storytelling started in the stars, but like a night without stars, there was a blank space where our stories should have been shining. So I invite you to come and hang out with me and some kick-ass indigenous wahine. See how the world can be shaped by our voice, the unique picture that we see. Let us share who we are and not who we've been told to be. No mai, haere mai, and welcome to Nuku. Kia ora, kia, ora kia ora. Michelle. Kia ora. <laughs> Welcome to the Naku Fadi. It's really exciting to have you here because you've got some pretty phenomenal things that you are doing as a businesswoman mm-hmm. um, and things that really connect to te ao Māori but also that are going to change the space for women. An Aotearoa. Yeah, um, that's my aim. <laughs> <laughs> and so I really wanted to talk to you firstly about your upbringing here in Auckland. Mm-hmm. So you're You're from Southside South Side and from Manurewa. <laughs> from Manurewa, yeah. And, yep. <laughs> and um, I wanted you to talk a bit about you as a young person identifying as an urban Māori.
1: Mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I, I did
1: identify growing up as an urban Māori, which um, I don't do anymore, um, but that's okay. So yeah, I grew up in Marirewa, um went, went to Manerewa High School. I didn't grow up with any reo, any tikanga, um, my, my grandmother... I, I, I lived with her and, and with my parents as well, but um, there was no, you know, no speaking of te ao Māori, there's no kaipapa Māori at all, um, which I struggled with because I did identify um, with being Māori mm-hmm. and I knew that I was Māori, um, but I now know that the way I grew up really was a result of um, a lot of different things, colonisation being one of them. Um, but you know the migration um, into the cities and the assimilation into a Western society um, meant that my grandmother, who who was brought up speaking um, only Te Reo Māori, came to an abrupt end when she was a girl. So um, then my father, the way he was brought up, he wasn't—he just it was normal for him to not to just speak English. Mm-hmm. There was no Te reo at all, and he was faced with. Um, Uh, and his brothers and sisters were faced with a lot of racism um, because they looked Maori, um, and they were Maori. Um, So by the time I came along, I guess you can say that I was a result of um, a lot of layers, a Mm -hmm. lot of layers, which, you know, I did struggle with because from a young age, I, you know, I I identified with being a Māori girl. I felt a connection to my Tūpuna from a young age, um, but I I couldn't find what what I wanted, um, which was to live, um, you know, a, a Māori lifestyle. To you know, to identify with being Māori, with more than just saying I am a quarter Māori and yeah I'm urban Māori. So please don't ask me anything because I don't know because I'm urban Māori. Mm. Um, and I struggled a lot. Did a you lot. did you have Maori
0: friends yeah, at school? I, and I, did they
1: have similar experiences I, to you? Yeah, well, do you know, um I, I grew up with um, you know, a lot of Maori friends and they were exactly the same as me. Did we talk all about that? No. Wow. No. That's just not something that you talked about, you know,
0: we just lived, you know, a Western way. <laughs> was it was it you didn't talk about it because you just didn't think that it was a topic to talk about or you didn't talk about it because there was that sense of whakamā. Yep. yep. Not
1: knowing? Yep, not knowing. We didn't know. We didn't, you know. Yeah, there was definitely a gap there, but we didn't know. Hmm. I didn't know what that gap was in my life until, I guess you can say, becoming a mother.
0: And then it all fell into place It you. did.
1: It did, yeah, it did. So um, my grandmother... Uh, she died when I was pregnant with my first daughter, Eva, oh. which I guess you could say really was the catalyst for my life changing and for my, um, for my journey in te When she died, um, it became apparent to me that um, the knowledge I could have gained from her if I had have dug deeper or forced her to talk to me more about
0: it mm. um, was now lost Mm. Um, mm. So during that that time of your life, things actually changed quite significantly. So your your grandmother passed away,
1: mm-hmm.
0: you became a mum for the first time, mm-hmm. and at that time in your life, you were a lawyer. I was.
1: <laughs> yeah. So were you? I was what? a corporate lawyer. Right. Um, yeah.
0: And were you enjoying your job as a lawyer? Do you know
1: what, if you had have asked me at the time, I would have said, yeah, sure. You know, I love the highs, not so much the lows, but it is what it is. You know, I'm very Mm. lucky to be able to call myself a lawyer. That's what I would have said then. Um, Now, Carl, I I wasn't living my purpose. Mm. No.
0: At that sort of transition period in your life, how did you go from law... Into what you're doing now, which is Rongoa Māori. So you own Frankie Apothecary, mm-hmm. uh, which is a Rongoa-based skincare company, mm-hmm. and it started, from what I understand, your daughter had eczema.
1: Yeah, yep. It it did it did kind of start from there. Yeah. Um. You know, I don't I don't speak about this a lot, but the truth is, um, when my grandmother died, and I. Um, Had my first daughter, I suffered with postnatal depression quite badly. Mm -hmm. And um, I think that's really, you know, was the beginning of when I began to question, you know, who am I? Am I? Is this it? Is this the person that I am? Is this all there is? Um, I began to have really vivid dreams um, of me, you know, walking through the Nahere with um, who I now know probably my Tipuna. Mm-hmm. So when I when I woke up I had I I longed to to get into the Nahere, so that's what I did, um, almost every day with, with Eva on my back. And that that was a really healing journey. Um just kind of escaping from, you know, everyday modern life and going somewhere quiet, connecting with nature, connecting to the whenua, connecting to paputunuku, to to my fucker papa, to my ancestors. I didn't know that at the time, um, but yeah, I there was this one bush that I was drawn to, um, and I would sit under it every single every single time. Um, and so there was one day that I decided I'd take some leaves, and I asked my father, you know, what are what are these leaves? And he said, oh, that's kawakawa, that's um, you know. Atipano used to use that mm. to heal skin. I said, Ah, oh, true. True. I'm gonna I'm gonna look it up. And then I saw, okay, used for eczema, okay, I'll make something, I'll make up a punny punny for my daughter, who was struggling really, really badly with eczema. Um, she would wake up um, scratching bloodstained sheets. It was oh. just terrible. We tried everything, tried steroid creams, um, everything.
0: Or the Pakia medicine. Or the Pakia medicine, <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, you know, eliminated things in her diet, did gut health, did all of that. But the kawakawa pani that I made had uh, healed her skin basically, um, almost overnight. Within two or three days, her her skin was, um, you know, healed. So from there, um, I began to just make the kawakawa pani for friends. Um, for some mums in the local kindy who had seen Eva's skin heal. Um, and I remember I began getting orders. I remember a kindy mum came in and said, oh, I was talking to you about my next door neighbour when we are hanging the washing out. And she said, oh, can you get her to make me some? Um, because my son's got eczema. And then a few days later, um, she came back to kindy and said, oh, my God, you know, you're your kawakawa balm, it, um, you know, it fixed my neighbor's son's wow. eczema. Um, and, it, like, at that point, it was never a business for me, but something really important was happening for me. Not only did I have a reason um, that I had to go into the into the Nahari almost every day because I was getting these orders, mm. but, you know, I had another purpose. You know, I was connecting Connecting to, you know, my tupunas, connect, uh, you know, all of those things that I was searching for my whole life. It was just kind of being laid in front of me. Um, and
0: I felt happy. That's beautiful. And it's beautiful to hear you talk about how the Ngahere has been healing not just from a physical ailment perspective, but from a mental health Um, perspective Mm. Um, and when we're thinking about things like postnatal depression and I I personally can't relate to that but having known other women who have experienced that one of the common um, ways that they've been able to help themselves to feel better is to connect back to Papatuanuku connect back to Tangaroa to go out into the spaces that have all of this beautiful growth and have the healing powers of nature um, and the effect that that has and to hear your story about that only just continues to reinforce that it's a huge part of our well-being um, connecting to what people say today are all these ancestral practices, but actually it's just <laughs> connecting to our environment mm-hmm, and what we aye. should be doing every day for the betterment of ourselves. Um exactly. from, you know, te taha te taha tínana, te taha wairua, um all of these parts of our makeup. Um, I guess. So it's, it's high really water. Yeah, it's it is, it is, it's high water. And it's really beautiful to hear um your testament to that. Um and the and the conversation around you know all of these different orders. How did you decide to then say, "Oh, I maybe should make this a little bit official"? <laughs> was it just you were getting a bit inundated with orders? It or? was. Um, so
1: I was on maternity leave, and the thought, even though I did enjoy my my job the thought of going back was filling me with more dread and was kind of becoming more of a trigger. Mm-hmm. Um, so, But then um, it was really scary, really, really terrifying, you know, the thought of saying, hey, you know, all that study I did, you know, you know that legal career that I booked up, I'm actually not going to do that and I'm just going to learn rongo Māori. <laughs> do you know what, as a unquote urban Māori, that was... Um, a very very hard thing for me it was no question I knew that's what I wanted no matter what but to come out and say that mm. was the most challenging
0: thing and because I guess it's what people what the public and your friends and family perceive as success mm. I- when you look at you as a lawyer who oh she's so successful mm. she's got this top-notch job and then people look at someone who makes rungua and they think, Oh You're right. Is that successful?
1: You mean, you're right. It's all perception and it's it's a reason why, you know, there's so many problems with social media and, you know, it is perception, but perception is not what makes you happy. It's, you mm. know, knowing who you are and what you want and that's what yeah. So um yeah. So I did. I, you know, called my boss and I resigned and um began to turn
0: Turn Frankie into a business. <laughs> <laughs> and so you went and studied Ongwa Māori, mm-hmm. and you studied, did you study under Afitia Mihaili? Um Yep, I did,
1: um, and also Hohipa at Te Wananga or Otero.
0: Oh, kapwai. And with those, um, that course and those lessons, what was one of your favourite things about that whole process of learning?
1: I love noho. <laughs> <laughs> I love noho. I can't wait to go back and study next year. Um, I'm studying te reo finally. Um, but, yeah, being in a non-classroom type environment, um, you know, um, at noho and just kind of lying, lying along the marae floor and hearing all the stories um, that Afetia and Hohipa would tell and doing the practical, um, you know, making of the wairako and, and hearing the stories basically – um you know, was le- you know legitimizing how
0: I was feeling mm. um mm. did there's this corridor that I actually saw online um oh, it was a little while ago now, and there was a debate happening, and it's this idea of rōngoa Maori becoming commodified, so people selling rōngoa. And it's a really interesting corridor because you have the one side of the fence which say... Um, we shouldn't be selling it, it's something that we get from the ngahiri, it should always be given away. And then we have the other side of the fence that actually most of the Rungwa practitioners I know don't sell Rungwa to make a profit. Mm -hmm. They sell Rungwa because it at least pays for their time and, and their product, the container that it comes in and all the other stuff that they have to be able to pay for. And so there's the other side of it that's saying, well, actually, we should be able to sell it to acknowledge our time, our effort and our resource that we've had to put into creating this product um but also it then uh, enables that product to be put into spaces that wouldn't necessarily be familiar with rongua so by putting it into a, a saleable product you're then opening it up so that non-maori who maybe have an experienced Kawa balm um, are being given an opportunity to see and experience what that's like what, what do you think about the that whole corridor and, and the debate on both sides of the fence? You know what, it's a
1: very, very complicated topic because, you know, I I have been set with challenges from some people who don't think that I should be selling my rōngoa, um, but I, on the other coin, I also have massive support from people who are important to me, other healers, my kayako, for example, who are constantly tautoku in my journey. Um and you're right, um, but it's not just non-Māori, you know, there are a lot of Māori out there who didn't know what kawa was, mm. um, and so I kind of sit on the fence of both coins, to be honest with you, because I understand um, the reasons why some people don't want to sell rungua, you know, that is that is their journey. That is because of maybe their whakapapa. papa. Um, you know, as we know, all always do things differently. However, you know, as Māori, if we are going to continue, um, and grow and thrive in our culture, we all need to um, innovate. But also, we need to learn, um, about rongoa. You know, do we? How long do we just keep it quiet and just keep it? You know keep it at Amarai or keep it in our iwi for, for... I would never have learnt about it if te wanga wasn't out there to teach me. Mm. Um, I feel like it is a good thing to, um, you know, normalise hauora Māori, to normalise Rongoā Māori. If we are going to normalise it, then we are going to thrive as a culture.
0: Mm. One of the things that you're... Um that you're doing through this is, there's, I mean, there's this resurgence of indigenous systems happening in Aotearoa at the moment and you're playing a huge part in helping that resurgence by bringing rungoa Māori out into the forefront. Accidentally. <laughs> how, I mean, how exciting is this space right now? Because when we think about it, Māra mataka is becoming a, a common um mm-hmm you know, thing that we're all learning about and a common system that we're talking about more often we've now got diaries that have mm-hmm. a Mataka focus, Aye. we've got people talking about Mataka within their particular rohe, matariki within itself, I mean the, the resurgence of matariki has been going on for quite a few years um, now we've got a huge resurgence in Rungoa Māori. I mean, how how exciting is this space for you right you now? Know, um, <laughs> this is incredibly
1: exciting. Um, you know, me and my friends were just talking last night, actually, um, having big long corridors about how this year really has been a phenomenal year. Everybody, Māori and non-Māori, can see, they can feel, they can hear that the tides are changing. Mm-hmm. You know, mana wahine are standing up and saying, you know, these are these are our stories to tell. We're not going to be quiet about them anymore. This is the way we want to live. This is our rungwa. This is our reo. Um, we, you know, we, we want to normalize it. Um, and it is so exciting. Um, an example is I have been pushing for a reo unit at my daughter's school and it opens in January, I think five years ago that would never have happened.
0: That's awesome. Um,
1: you know, my goal is to see, you know, every school not only have a Māori unit, but for Māori, for te to be to be taught alongside English. Um, you know, it didn't happen with our, with our parents' generation and it was, you know, began to be lost with the generation before then, but we have a really important role to play. So, I have a lot of respect for the, you know, for the people who have challenged me because they have made me grow and made me learn a lot more Mm -hmm. um, and um, demand a lot more of myself. Um, But I'm really excited. There
0: is a lot of changes happening. Um, Just talking about your daughter's school. So you've you've got two daughters and... Um, one of the other things that you're involved in, <laughs> um, is actually really exciting because it's mm. New Zealand's first, now make sure I get this right, New Zealand's first period proof underwear. Aye. Now, did the inspiration for that come from your daughters? I. <laughs> Tell me a little bit about I Am Eva. Hmm,
1: yeah, so I Am Eva is, um, named after my daughter Eva, um. When I had my children, I uh, didn't want to, and when I began um, getting my ikura again, I wasn't happy with the options that there were for managing my period. Um, I didn't want to wear a bulky pad. I didn't want a chemical-filled tampon. um, And I personally didn't want um, a silicon cup inside my body to hold my flow. I wanted to. Um, I wanted it to flow. Um, and my daughters. I didn't want. Um, I wasn't happy that the options out there were going to be suitable for them. So I thought, look, this is. We can do better than this. You know, it's 2018, and the last menstrual product was invented in the 1920s—a cup. This is you know, we can can do much better than this. So yeah, I have created underwear which hold and absorb um, your ikura so that you can flow. You don't need to have anything bulky inside your underwear. You don't have to put any chemicals or anything foreign into your body Um, and it's sustainable. You can just wash your underwear but I want my children to be comfortable. I want them to feel empowered when they get their ikura. Um, I don't want there to be any shame I don't want them,
0: you know, I, I just want them to be,
1: you mm. know, modern
0: menstruators. <laughs> I guess when we talk about period underwear, because I have been talking about it the last couple of days, so a couple of women that I know, anticipating you coming into the nukubare, <laughs> Um and the first reaction is, ugh. <laughs> Not because period underwear, but because my period's going to be in my underwear. Am I going to feel it? Is it going to be wet? Kyle. Is it, you know, all these things. And so then these are the reactions I'm having from mm. women. And I'm like, oh, I actually can't tell you because I haven't tried them yet. But
1: <laughs> no, this is good because this means that I need to do a better job at my marketing. But <laughs> Kyle, the innovation in textiles is there so that you can put on your underwear and when your period touches it, it will basically evaporate. You will stay completely dry. It's not like a nappy where it will bulk up and you're carrying it around. You will bleed and it will touch your underwear but then it will evaporate and your underwear will be dry and it's just about I guess teaching people that their innovations are there. You know we trust we trust every day that, you know, oh, you're telling me I need to update my iPhone. Okay, because the innovations are better. Okay, I can do that. But it's getting your head around, you know what? Menstrual, menstrual products have been developed by men. Mm. They don't know what women want. So, you know, we know what women want. We know what Wahini want. So
0: we're going to innovate ourselves
1: and we're going to create something that Wahini need and Wahini want.
0: And can you use it on any part of your flow is it or is it better for lighter days or can you you know because there are there are wahine out there I myself who have very heavy flows and so are we safe to use period absolutely
1: absolutely so it's not about how your flow is it's about how long um you would normally wear two tampons so um, the underwear hold and absorb two tampons worth so that would be the same for someone who had a light flow maybe they can wear the underwear for a bit longer or someone who had a heavy flow it would go through two tampons you know quicker they would still be able to wear the underwear they'll just need to change their underwear once they got to that point mm. but um so you know a pack a pack is ideal but you're more comfortable right um We have tested our underwear on our local community, Wahine, our local community. It's also been clinically tested as well. Um, My business partner, Kylie Matthews, has a heavy flow um, (laughs) and passed with flying colours. She has, right on her heaviest day, Um, I think hopefully she's like you know okay with me saying this Kylie Um, but on her heaviest flow she told me that she'd put the underwear on and gone for a big run and didn't need to change her underwear or didn't feel
0: you know anything at all um, until the mid-afternoon. Wow Mm. Um, you just talking about it actually makes me think that we as Māori women or even as Indigenous women as Pacifica women we don't talk about our periods. No. We don't talk about, well, we don't talk about a lot of things, but, <laughs> but we especially don't talk about our periods. One of the one of the things is um, whakama. One of the other things is that for us as Māori, you know, blood is tapu, and so having your period makes you tapu. Mm-hmm. Um, is this something that needs to change? Do we need to be... Talking about this more openly I, Why? Because it's what
1: our ancestors did It wasn't whakama before colonisation There were menstrual ceremonies to celebrate When a girl got their ikura There were gifts given There were ceremonies There were teachings It was open dialogue Um, Both tane and wahine all knew And were all educated about menstruation So a tane would know all about it um, the whole idea of it being fakama is a recent phenomenon that I believe is due to colonisation um, so yeah it, it does need to be talked about. We mm. um, the dialogue has been misinterpreted by colonial ethnographers. We need to start retelling the stories uh, from a mana wahine and Māori perspective about what menstruation is and what the ceremonies were, and you know what it means. I was reading
0: this morning um, a recorded from Kuya Rose Petty, where she was talking about the first menstruation. And she was talking about um, in her written korero how Maui wanted to gain immortality mm-hmm. by returning to the womb mm-hmm. of Hine and he crawled up into her inner thigh and she crushed him therefore the making period. the first period, mm-hmm. the first menstruation. And I was thinking about, um, first ouch, but I was thinking about how beautiful that story is and as you just said, the power of that story, um, and then I was thinking about the relation of the relationship between our periods. And the maramataka, and the maramataka being a, you know, 28 to 30 day lunar calendar and our periods coming every 28 to 30 days and how actually in sync our tinana is with the environment and we seem to have lost such connection with all of these tohu that tell us these things. Exactly. We're so out of sync with... The most natural part of who we are as humans and as wahine. Exactly. When we when we menstruate, we you know that
1: is our direct link to our whakapapa, mm. to the finua. Um, you know, back in the day, um, when women were on the ikura, they used to sit out in the field and you know bleed straight to you know uh, as a gift to Tunuku to the finua. Um, that was a connection to Papa. Um, it wasn't a whakamā thing. Hmm.
0: Um, I was just thinking, looking at the different names for period. So we've got Ikura, and we've got Matewahine. Mm-hmm. but there's another one that I really loved was Te Awa Atua, the Divine River. And I was like, ooh, uh, I love ah, that one love too. to Describe my period uh, as the Divine River. I love that one, and you know, <laughs> it is
1: when we when we are on Te Awa Atua, um, we are at our most powerful, our most tapu. Um, so. It is really important to me to begin opening up the dialogues and to begin retelling those stories um, because I didn't grow up knowing that. I, mm-hmm. I grew up not telling anybody that I had my period, including my friends. I grew up thinking, you know, I just need to, you know, get some pads or whatever i need to just get on with my day i need a hush hush that i'm on a bag or hide them in your pocket as you walk to the funny exactly you know i may not feel like going to pe but i better do it because it's not an excuse to not do pe because i'm on my ekura and if you know i'd be not telling anyone because there's shame in that but do you know what That's actually not true. Mm. If I want to have a rest, if I don't feel like doing that as a girl, I shouldn't be made to do it and I should not feel shame that I do not feel like joining everybody on the sports field because I'm on my ikura. All those things that we went through.
0: Mm. One of the um, beautiful things that I have been drawn to with um, I Am Eva is your advocacy around period poverty Mm. and... That, again, another topic that's really only come out very recently, talking about period poverty and the fact that there are people out there who can't afford period products. They can't afford pads. They can't afford tampons. Mm-hmm. There are girls and women out there who are using newspaper, who are using toilet paper, and not just as your emergency backup, as your your dominant form of period prediction. Right. Um, and so, what is it that you you are doing in this space to help reduce period poverty?
1: Yeah, it is, um, and another important reason why we need to break down the taboos and open the dialogue. So there is a dialogue for people and girls to speak up, and you know, otherwise we wouldn't we wouldn't know about this. Mm. Um, but you know, you're right. Period poverty is a serious problem in Aotearoa right now. A recent Kids Can article, a survey. Um, release that um, 8% of girls and women are struggling with period of poverty and 1 in 5 uh, girls in New Zealand are missing crucial education time, sometimes up to a week every month and women are missing paid employment for sometimes a week every month you know let's just really think about that that has massive massive spin-off effects not just for the individual but for whānau for society for the economy it, it has to end
0: these are things you don't even expect to happen in New Zealand though. Like yeah. you don't you expect these things from a third world country that doesn't have access to sanitary products. It's because we, have... we
1: haven't been talking about it. Mm. But um you know I it, it is something that really drives me and drives my co-papa. So um you know there are a number of ways that I am trying to help eradicate period poverty. Um 5% of all the period underwear that I am making I'm giving to charities to help distribute to these girls and women um, but clearly that's not enough. Um, I have a buy one donate one option on our website um, which is going really well um, but still that's not enough. So I have lobbied the government to look into um, subsidizing or fully funding our underwear so that we can get it into the hands of the Wahine who have the greatest need. Um, and I am really over the moon to say that they have agreed to look into that. Wow. Um, I'm going to keep pushing for it and I want everybody to join me and help pushing for that. How do my Wahine ma wa. You've been called. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, so the recent, you know, um, it was passed to the Minister for Women and the recent letter I received a couple of days ago was that it had, the request has now gone to the Minister for Health, which I hope is a good sign. Um, but yeah, I to, for me, 2019 is about eradicating period poverty.
0: Awesome. And you know what the most amazing thing for me is, is that we've got a wahine Māori fronting that Um it's really, it's really cool to see that for you this is not just a – it's not a business. It's mm. a movement and it's about creating social change. And that's really important. Um, and how I see it, that's how you're changing the world. Aww. Each of our each of our nuku wahine – well, actually everybody. Everybody changes the world. Um, and the way that I look at it is that if you can change one part – that you're involved in, then add all of those little parts together of all the Indigenous Mm. women around the world and we're suddenly changing the world. Um, With that, what what is your ambition moving forward? So if we get to the point where we've eradicated period poverty... Was that is that the ambition? Or we just that's we one of the first? that's one of the ambitions. <laughs> um,
1: you know, another ambition is for um there to be education in schools and access to um to education that you know, like I said um before, when a girl would get there ikura, they would uh, go to their kohanga, they would be taught about their reproductive bodies, they would be taught about their ikura, um, and so would the so would the tane as well. Um, so access to education, um, retelling the stories um, of what it is like for a Māori wahine um, to, you know, be on tāwā atua, creating access to education and options so that every girl can be informed and decide what option she wants, and to have access to that option without feeling any shame that she can't afford it herself.
0: Mm. In your journey, have you had um, one or a number of Indigenous women that you've looked up to that have really helped shape who you are now? Hi. Hi. Who are some of them? So, um, of
1: course, my grandmother is one of them. What's her name? Um, Claire, um, Claire Wilson or Claire Tohunga. Um, Nahuya Murphy who wrote Te Awa Atua. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, I love the stories that she's telling. Um, she, she is another mana wahine who is really influential in the space as well. Um, she has been one of, you know, reading Te Atawa has been a massive inspiration to me. My um, kai Nahuya. Um, and also another wahine who I've recently connected with, um, who was on a similar journey to me, but doing incredible things, Hannah Tapiata. Hana um, is a writer and um, she believes that, you know, you cannot know who you are unless you know where you come from. And that really resonates with me because it wasn't until I really began to dig deep and find out, you know where do I come from what's my papa? that's when I began to realize who I was and I was put onto this journey and I was able to find out what my purpose was so she
0: has she's really inspired me as well and I'm just gonna say that Hannah's gonna be in the Nuku oh, God! <laughs> and so if you're listening you're lucky because you've just got an insight into who's coming up soon <laughs> You'll just sit there and just listen to her kōrero and be so inspired. <laughs> yeah, maybe Actually, we'll just let Hannah talk and I'll just, <laughs> I'll just sit will just go, here you go, here's the mic. I, <laughs> I, I, um, She was over um,
1: last night with um, another few girlfriends and we literally, you know, she was doing some readings from her book. And I was looking around and we were all just staring at her like, keep talking,
0: please. <laughs> 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 so you'll enjoy yourself. <laughs> what is your, what is your hope for the future of indigenous women. Where do you hope for indigenous women to be? I don't want to say in the long term. I want to say in the short now, to medium mm, term. Short to medium term.
1: I want all indigenous women to feel a connection to their whakapapa. Know what their whakapapa is so that they can know who they are. Um, Learn te reo maori. Mm. You know, that is... I'm only learning now. I'm 35 and it is a hell of a journey. It's difficult. But we need to learn our language. Just learn, connect with whakapapa, can, and, and just learn as much as you can about what it is to be a Māori woman. Um, learn the tikanga. Um, yeah. Mm.
0: And I think to add on to that, to learn today, reo Māori but to use it, even the little bit that you know, mm. Because it's really beautiful to hear Aoriel being spoken, even if it is just kia ora or Homai, or you know those little words that people can learn, um, helps you on your journey and to speak it, speak it, speak it as much massively, as possible. Massively, massively. Because I'm, I mean, I'm sitting here. I'm not a fluent Te Reo Māori speaker, but I try and speak as much as I can to my daughter. And I'm pretty sure there's going to be a point where she'll overtake me. Oh, no, one, <laughs> <Not> 100%. <even. laughs>
1: our next, you know, it's up to us to ensure that, you know, the next generation, you know, speaking to Reo Māori and they don't have to go through any of the challenges um, that we have gone through with questioning who we are. Um, you know, we're, we're, we're mana wahine, we're a strong women. You know, we mm-hmm. have got stories to tell. We have got a purpose as well, um, you
0: yeah. know. Ka Thank you so much Michelle for coming in today Mm. Um, I'm really looking forward To seeing Where you go to next um, Where Frankie's Frankie Apothecary Is going to go to Mm. And how much of an impact I am Eva Is going to have on society Because you are really only at the beginning of that stage But you've got so many um, Really great ambitions And eradicating period poverty In Aotearoa is a massive goal and I think that it's it's one that is really going to make some awesome change here in Aotearoa. I hope so. Just so that we can help people who want to support, um, what what is the website address? Where can people go to find more about? It's yeah, it's um, IAmEva.co. Um, and we're
1: on Facebook and Instagram as well. It's just I'm Eva underscore period proof underwear.
0: Ka pai. So you can buy one, donate one. You can just buy one. You can buy a
1: pack if you want to. You can just donate one. Choice. If you don't need a pair yourself. Um, yeah. Awesome. Kia ora. Thank you very much. Kia ora. Koeira.